Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 143, and we're reviewing Your Lie in April, part one. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode. We have to be honest here before we dive into Your Lie in April. It's not the first time we've seen the first part of it. Yeah, I would say this watch through has been a long time coming because we did watch this anime many, many years ago before the start of the Strictly series of podcasts, but I think we dropped it after only three episodes, probably because it wasn't the right time. Well, hang on. We didn't <laughs> drop it because <laughs> we're going okay. to flack we, that. We, we put, put it on, on hold. hold. Yeah, for many years. And we only got into two episodes, not not three. But you're right. It just wasn't the right timing. I think we were looking for something more like action-packed. Like we were, we had just finished something. And mm-hmm. I feel like that something was probably a more intense anime, more action-y type of anime, maybe a shonen. And I think that's kind of like the vibe we were going for. So we, we started this at the recommendation of my sister, because it's one of the the handful of anime that she's seen, and it's a music anime, so she figured Carl would really enjoy it. And then we got two episodes in, and we we're like, "No, nah, it's just it's not the right moment for it." Yeah, I, I remember thinking to myself how bored I was watching it, <laughs> and maybe it's just because back then I was still a newbie to anime and wasn't familiar with the i was gonna say like the trappings or you know like the the typical things that you find in like a slice of life or the tropes I guess, yeah the tropes of a slice of life or a drama uh but i think now that we're better attuned to that uh this did seem the, like the opportune time to revisit this anime i agree and i i think there's always a time and place for a particular anime like sometimes I'll need something new to watch. So I'll go through my watch list and I'll think, oh, this anime, you know, it's been on here for a while. I'll, I'll go ahead and start it and get it off my list. And then I'll start it and I'll realize I'm just not vibing with it right now. Like I know it's going to be good. I know I'm going to enjoy it. But now it's just not the right time because you just sometimes you're not in the mood for it or sometimes you're just really craving a particular type of show. So yeah, when we first started watching it a while back, it just wasn't the right time. But I think now definitely is because I I very much enjoyed the first two episodes this time versus like the first time we watched it. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, I'll get into the things that I enjoyed about this anime, but I feel like there were a lot of signs pointing to us re-watching Your Lie in April. I think first and foremost, at the recommendation of our Discord user, JamesD13, I think that kind of got things rolling for us. And I also saw uh, like social media posts, either from Crunchyroll or Annie Trends or whatever that account is called, that had screenshots from Your Line April with spoiler-free captions. And I think that too was was a sign that we had to go back and watch this anime and give it the proper watch through. We thought about watching it in April, but uh, the timing of it would have been too tough with our, our newborn. But we're finally watching it now. And uh, yeah, it feels good to say that mm-hmm. we have finally restarted it. <laughs> yeah, so big thanks to James D 13 And I know there were plenty of other users out there who were recommending that we watch July and April. 
uh, because I think obviously your your prayers have been answered because that's why we're doing this episode today. And I didn't realize that the anime is like one full season, but it's 22 episodes. So as always, we're splitting it down the middle for our part one and part two review. Um, but yeah, it feels weird. 22 feels weird, doesn't it? Because it's always like 24, 25, and sometimes 26. Well, in the words of Taylor Swift, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling... 22? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they just did think that they needed the full 26 episodes to tell this story. Uh, but that was fine with me. That meant we didn't have to <laughs> take notes for many episodes for the first part of this series. Um, but yeah, I think 11 was the right cutoff because I think the second part of this series has an entirely new OP and ED for episodes 12 to 22. Well, let's jump into it. Let's dive right into the first half of Your Lie in April, and let's reflect on our, our... Now that we've talked about our initial experience versus like the second experience, let's reflect on how we feel about it. So do you think that you appreciate at least the start of this anime more now, having watched 11 episodes and rewatched episode one and two, versus, again, the, the last time we, we tried to give it a chance? I think the best way to answer that is to say that this anime spoke to me on many levels, and I absolutely hate it. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> uh, because, yeah, I'm surprised that I didn't connect with this series when we first watched it, because it's obviously it's a slice of life, or I guess a drama, as I mentioned earlier, but it's also a music anime, and one that focuses in particular on the instrument of the piano which I grew up learning how to play. Um, I haven't really touched the black and white ivory keys of recent, but yeah, I, I'm surprised like the things that I saw in this anime didn't appeal to me back then, but watching it now in its entirety, or at least for this first part, I, I look at Kaori, uh, who people call the human metronome, and I think... Wait, Kaori or Kosei? Oh, not Kaori. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I get their names mixed up, but yeah, thank you. I, I look at Kosei, who people call the, the human metronome, and I think it me. Like, that's what I was like growing up, uh, learning piano as a child and uh, thinking back to how a lot of people in my music school uh, would, like, I, I, they considered me a bit of a prodigy. Uh, not to toot my own horn, but they also mentioned how I would kind of play piano robotically uh, until I learned by switching piano teachers to play with more emotion and feeling. And I think that kind of translates into the, the, like my real life and in this anime's case, Kosei's real life of learning not to be so structured and robotic with things and really living with emotion and with feeling. And I think both of us, like me and Kosei, had an unlikely source as the catalyst where for me it was my second piano teacher and for him it was Kaori. Uh, but yeah, I'm just so surprised by how beautiful Eurolion April tells this story of someone 
not necessarily breaking out of their shell, but just learning how to live a life with more meaning. So you say that Kose is just like you for real, but like minus the the abusive teacher, right? Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Okay. Like my, yeah, my my piano te- my my first piano teacher wasn't as terrible as Kose's mother, um, but they were the ones who kind of forced me into that sort of rigid style of playing, and would drill me on playing things properly, similarly to Kose's mother, but never to that level. And then I eventually switched to my second piano teacher, and they were the ones who were kind of like, music is freedom, as Kaori says in one of these episodes, and really learning to appreciate music beyond just the technical side of it. So I am nowhere near as musically inclined as you, but I do have a a small music background because I was in high school I was in band throughout elementary school to the end of high school I played the French horn and then I played the mellophone and marching band plus I accompanied like the orchestra jazz band pep band so during that time of my life I had a lot of exposure to music um would you say that your first piano teacher similar to Kose's mom wanting to have you focus on what is written on that piece of paper what's written on that score is was more of a way to set a foundation before you could then blossom into exploring music more, expressing yourself through music more and having more of that freedom. Because I think about my days in band and high school band is like going to be totally different than one-on-one piano lesson, but there was an emphasis on the foundational pieces, the building blocks to music before you could be more expressive. Yeah, I think it was twofold. It was one, setting that foundation, but also, my first piano teacher kind of pigeonholed me into playing a specific type of classical music, and that's music composed by the, I think it was German composer, Johann Sebastian Bach, who has a lot of great musical pieces, but they're very cut and dry compared to a lot of the other composers out there. And so that's where my interest, like I had the foundation for everything, but my interest in piano was starting to wane because I was kind of sick of playing this composer over and over again until my second piano teacher decided to take me under her wing and then opened up the possibilities of music and even more so the possibilities of classical music where I started to get into other composers um, and really fell in love with Chopin, which is great because Chopin is, his work is very heavily featured throughout this show. Um, So that's the one thing. I think the second thing kind of plays into the whole living with emotion and with feeling uh, as Kose experiences throughout this series, that I was too young to really know how to inject the, the raw feelings of like beauty, of sorrow, of happiness into the music I was playing because I hadn't really experienced things in life at that point. But as I grew older and had more life experience, I think that in a way it also helped me connect more to the notes on a paper where I was playing them with more expression and more feeling. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, I think for again, my, my experience with music is drastically different than yours. 
Um, there's not much individualism and whatnot in, you know, a school band unless you're one of the soloists. So um, for me, it was always I'm a very analytical person, too. So I'm the type who enjoys structure and um, sometimes that rigidity is that how you say it when it's more rigid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think our 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 music experiences have been very opposite in that way. So I get like where Jose is coming from um, with wanting to express himself, but I also see that there is value in following a more structured path, at least in the beginning, not to justify the way Kosi's mom went about doing that. <laughs> Obviously that was a little over the top. Um, but yeah, just wanted to get your perspective on that. Yeah. And I think music is, especially like in the context of classical music, it's one of those mediums that's unique and that there is this sort of quantitative aspect of it where you have notes that have to be played in a certain way on the musical staff. You have like things like tempo to make sure that you're staying within rhythm and on beat. But then aside, besides all that sort of, like I'll say scientific stuff, there's also the creative aspect of it. And that's where, again, you, you put in your feelings and your emotions into the song to translate it from this quantitative piece of work to something that really grips and I will say tears at the heartstrings. Um, and I, that's kind of symbolized. Pulls at, pulls at the heartstrings? Yeah, pulls at the heartstrings. I'm <laughs> losing my words. I forget Kosei's name and I forget uh, losing these phrases. But I think that's what we see with Kosei here is him trying to detach from being s- such a quantitatively driven musician and taking Kaori's word and really opening up the possibilities of what he could do as a musician rather than constantly living in his mother's shadow. So I think it's safe to say that my perspective on watching episodes one and two this time around have really changed, especially because I guess I've gotten so much more life experience now than when we originally watched the show. Uh, but would you say it was the same case for you? Maybe not so much on the musical side, but I guess in terms of really getting deep into the story now of Kosei and Kaori. Yeah, so it's interesting because when I first watched, I I enjoyed episodes one and two, but I wasn't like crazy about them. And I think part of it is kind of what you said, like there's a lot of tropey anime aspects to it. Um, this time around, I feel like I still enjoyed episodes one and two at the same level. I wouldn't say I enjoyed them more this time around, but I am enjoying the overall show up to where we are now at episode 11, um, way more than I thought I was going to, because my initial impression of through episodes one and two was that, oh, this is going to be very tropey. It's going to be super dramatic. Um, it's going to feel like kind of over the top, like one of those slice of life drama anime but I think it goes deeper than that. And it, it has that depth where it doesn't feel exhausting, um, where it doesn't feel like it's drama for drama's sake. It's actually well-written. Um, and the the character development is great because with Kose, you get like bits and pieces of what's going on. So first you find out that his mother was sick and that he wanted to play well um, in order to keep her alive. But then she dies and he cries at that competition. 
and that's all you get. So you think, oh, everything was all hunky-dory at home with them. He loved his mom. He was devastated by her death. But as the show goes on, it opens up more and more behind what really happened. And then you start to see like the bruises and the welts. You start to see him um, nervous to go out and play with his friends. You start to see him um, nervous to even interact with his mother. And then you get to what was it, episode 10 or something like that, where like they give you the full backstory about how he even said in his last moments to her with her, I wish you would just die. Um, and how she was like beating him in public be- until he was bleeding. Like it gets really, really intense. And I feel like they're doing the same with Kaori. They're giving us bits and pieces of what's going on with her. Clearly she's sick. Um, clearly she has some sort of terminal illness and her time on, in this world may be limited, but we don't know enough yet to really understand what's going on. So I think the writing is what's captivating me about your lie in April. Cause I, again, I'm not as musically inclined as you are. So as much as I appreciate the music, I feel like I'm really going to jive with the storytelling part of it. Kind of like what you mentioned earlier, whereas you might jive a little bit more with the music aspect. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I too really appreciate the storytelling in this one where even though I've called this a slice of life, I think it leans more towards the drama where, yeah, there are parts of it that don't just try to fill in the typical tropes of this kind of anime. Um, it, there's a little bit more tension to it especially with Kaori's story, or Kaori, I'm saying it again, with, with Kosei's story, but I guess also with Kaori's story because they drop bits and pieces of something that might be happening to her that the other characters don't know about. So in that way, this is a more interesting and more engaging story than similar anime where it shows like a bunch of high schoolers coming together to, to make music. Um, I'm waiting to see if this show will have the same effect on me as did Kids in the Slope, which is Kids another on, Kids on the Slope. Kids on the Slope, <laughs> <laughs> which is another great music anime that I really love. It's one of my top favorite anime, uh, but you know that just remains to be seen once we watch the show in its entirety. Yeah, I'm bracing for impact. I mean, everyone that has mentioned Your Lie in April to us has like said it in a way where they're like, oh my God, you have to watch it. Like as if they like want to spoil something, as if they want to give us a hint at where it's going to go. So I mean, I mean, they're pretty open about it in the beginning of the anime mm-hmm. anyway, but I am bracing for impact at the end of the show. I wonder how much it's going to hit me in the feels. Of course, before we move on into our main discussion, it would be remiss if we did not mention the OP and ED for this music anime. And so starting with the OP, we have the song Hikaru Nara, translated as If You Will Shine by the band Goose House. Uh, Visuals-wise, shots of the Slice of Life team, I guess, of this anime. Uh, And random shots of Kosei and Kaori naked. Oh, yeah. Or one <laughs> shot, rather. I don't know why that was in there. I don't know if that's re- supposed to like represent them as souls. Um, I think another shot where it almost feels like the OP for Tokyo Ghoul with some what? characters kind of floating in the sky. Oh. You know? Remember that shot from Tokyo Ghoul's opening? No. Unless I'm confusing I'd... it with... Uh, I think Attack on Titan had something similar. Um, in, I think the season three opening 
anyways, yeah, you have shots of the main characters of this slice of life drama anime. Uh, also, some musical visual shots, especially of the Steinway and Sons piano brand, which I found interesting that Steinway and Sons is plastered like all over this anime uh, during the music competition. So I'm not sure if they were kind of sponsoring the show. But they are a very prominent piano manufacturer, so very interesting to see their brand all across the anime, as well as visuals of uh, like a music ledger or music staff and the notes as as the backdrop. So quite a colorful opening uh, visually. Yeah, the OP is good. I don't know, like the songs. The songs good. The visuals are are good. They fit the the feel and the vibe of the actual show it's just as colorful as the main show um but nothing about it like stands out to me it's not a bad op by any means but it's not like one of my favorites yeah i would say it's very typical of slice of life anime um this kind of op um mid-tempo song but i think it has this almost nostalgic feel to it maybe it's just because it had like slice of life ops just kind of have this uh, this sort of homogeny, uh, but I think when the brass trumpets kicked in, that's where it felt like it goes show from from our early, or not early childhood, but like our years of adolescence, I guess. And then lyrics wise, as with what happens to Kose in this first half, a lot of the lyrics deal with coming out of a dark place and learning to find the glimmer of hope and positivity in your life with lyrics like a rainbow after rain and a flower that bloomed with a cold are abundantly changing colors. Almost like a, here's my dark night reference for this episode. The night is darkest just before the dawn, right? Yeah. And they always talk about how he views everything in like a gray scale versus like Tsubaki or Kaori, how they see everything in color. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, it is such a like vibrantly colorful anime. Um, So I think that those lyrics definitely make sense. Yeah. And plus there's one dealing with like the color of darkness or darkness having an absence of color. If the darkness shines too, then it'll become a night of stars. So again, trying to find the positivity in everything. Moving on to the ED, we have the song Kirameki, which I think translates to Sparkle by the band Wachi. This one didn't really look at the visuals too much. Um, a lot of just slow moving shots of Kaori in different environments and settings. I thought it was interesting that towards the end of the ED, it was integrated with a preview of the next episode rather than having that as a separate segment after the credits roll. Yeah, similarly, like I, I enjoy the ED, but it's not going to be like one of my favorites of all time, but it definitely continues that vibrant color theme. Um, and the song is nice. The song is like, it's chill, it's mellow. I was expecting something super dramatic, um, very like sad because of where this show is hinting like where it's going to go um the direction is going to go and all of the stuff that kose goes through but it's still a a a very happy go lucky type of ed which i think is a good match for the outlook that kaori has despite her medical conditions 
It reminds me of something like a song out of Animal Crossing New Horizons. Uh, but I think it's just kind of because it's a pleasant and upbeat song. But I called it kind of a cool down, cool down song for uh, the series, uh, especially after emotionally draining episodes like episode nine. It was just nice to go back to something that was pleasant sounding. Um, I guess this also kind of reminds me of like with it being slice of life. I keep thinking of like a, a teenage show on the CW, how this could almost be like a, a song out of one of those shows. Maybe. I didn't watch that kind of stuff growing up, so I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's just because I just heard it in passing from whenever my sister watched TV. Uh, but I think also because the lyrics kind of just deal with lovey-dovey shit, probably in line with this sort of budding romance between Kosei and Kaori through their lo- shared love of music. Um, lyrics like, I want to be by your side and not just any other person's for you're irreplaceable in my heart forever and always. How, well, that's nice. How cheesy. <laughs> Well, all right, Strictly fam, it's time to tickle those ivories as we play our way into our synopsis and discussion for Your Lie in April, the 2014 anime adaptation of a romantic drama manga series written and illustrated by Naoshi Arakawa. Produced by A1 Pictures and directed by Kyohei Ishiguro, the story centers on disgraced young piano prodigy Arima Kosei who rekindles his love for the instrument when he crosses paths with a free-spirited young girl named Miyazono Kaori, who encourages him to see beyond just the beeps and boops. In episode 1, monotone slash colorful, someone called Billy Joel because we've got a piano man here that's anything but, having had bad piano traumatic stress disorder with the black and white ivories at a young age thanks to his dastardly dying shitty anime mother. But when Not Piano Man's friend invites him on a double date, all the colors by flow start to emerge at the sight of young female violinist Kaori, who double dares Not Piano Man to escort her to a violin competition that is happening right about fucking now. So again, re-watching episode one, I felt similarly to the first time I saw it, where I was like, this is, this seems very over the top, it seems very grand, um, and just I guess Kaori's introduction is so weird but like not in a horrible way because it matches her personality I just it was just weird in general like can you imagine someone actually doing that trying to to summon pigeons uh I don't really remember her opening her opening the, the first scene or when she emerges with the melodica and starts playing it oh is that is the melodica in the next episode no it's later in this episode but the note I wrote here is I think she's in the very first scene of the show where she has she's like looking at that black cat. With her oh, eyes. I'm, I'm talking about like towards the end of the episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where like, she's got the melodica and she's like on in the playground with the kids like summoning pigeons. Yeah. And she left her like her leggings on a tree or something. The whole thing was mm-hmm. very interesting, but I think that plays into her free spirited nature. Yeah. It's just like a complete diametric opposite of Kosei. So, of course, that's going to throw him off. And I know there are hijinks in that scene where you have the inadvertent upskirt photo and then a, a quick JoJo reference. So 
his world starts to be thrown in disarray there, but it also begins to change colors and for the better. Really quick, I love how in this show, whenever it, or typically whenever it shows someone playing the piano, it seems like it's either rotoscoped or it's CGI'd in with the hands playing the actual keys of that song. For this, I think there was a scene of Kosei playing Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata or one of its movements. Uh, and I, from what I could tell, he was actually hitting the correct keys on the piano. I noticed that too. Like episode one, the piano playing animations were really nice. Um, I don't know if it was rotoscoping, but it didn't feel like it. And it didn't seem like it was CG. Did you get a sense that like it was rotoscoped or do you think it was actual like actual um actual animation like frame by frame? I think it was a mix. I th- the first couple episodes I noticed with the piano playing, it seemed like it was rotoscoped animation, but as the series went on, I think there was one shot where it was really close up on the piano, but the movement of the hands seemed more CGI. Yeah, there's definitely some CGI close-ups, um, which always kind of break my immersion. It's not horrible. I've seen worse, uh, I guess, instrument playing CGI in other anime, but this one's not bad. Also, some notable VAs um, right from the get-go in this anime. Playing Kosei, we have Natsuki Hanae, who is Tanjiro from Demon Slayer, as well as Falco from Attack on Titan. Uh, Tsubaki's played by Ayane Sakura who plays Uraraka from My Hero and Gabi from Attack on Titan. Watari is played by Ryota Osaka, who plays Sadao from Devil is a Part-Timer, as well as Marco from Attack on Titan. So a lot of Attack on Titan alums in the show. Uh, Kaori is played by Risa Taneda. And let's see. I don't think she's in anything that we have seen that we'd be familiar with. Uh, but yeah, she's on that same caliber, on that same level as these other no- notable VAs. In episode two, friend A, not Piano Man and his friends accompany Kaori to the competition, where she plays the audience like a damn fiddle with her risque interpretation of Beethoven's violin sonata number no. nine. Though not Piano Man himself feels like second fiddle to Kaori's musical talent and love interests, She nonetheless settles for him after their jock friend type decides to jock off with someone else. There was one moment in episode two that made me feel like this anime was going to stand out among a lot of other music anime. And it's when um, when Kaori is performing, Kosei is more surprised by her free spirit and the fulfillment she gets when playing her instrument, when playing her violin, rather than how talented she is. He's shocked that someone can enjoy playing that much and also not care about breaking the mold or losing out on a chance to win this competition. Um, I thought that was kind of refreshing because in most music anime, especially ones set in junior high or high school, they're trying to win a competition. They're trying to be the best that they can be. Um, they're so focused on everyone else in terms of the level of talent and what they have to overcome in order to win. Here, he's just like, she actually enjoys playing. She's she's approaching music in a totally different way than I am. And I was like, I enjoy that. I kind of like that perspective. 
Yeah, this is kind of in line with what I said in the beginning about my my own musical journey. I know that the one of the judges comments on her performance as one that refuses to blindly obey the composer, which is more, I think, they say it more in a scathing tone. But I think it's, for me, it's one that feels like it's taking what the composer has written and bringing it to the next level in finding how she wants to interpret the notes. And her interpretation of the song just has so much soul and emotion that Kose notes, even though the, the accompanist has to kind of follow her tempo. So it's it seems like it's all over the place, but it's a performance that is more lively than just trying to like take off the check marks uh, when it comes to like the criteria for playing the song properly. Yeah, and Kose realizing that and seeing her perform, he sees that she kind of represents the side of music that he missed out on because of his mother's obsession with him becoming like this amazing musician or maybe trying to fulfill her dreams that she missed out on through him. Um, so I can see why... So in episode one, I was a little bit hesitant because he's like, oh, I'm so in love with this girl. Like the second I met her, I fell in love with her. And I'm like, well, is that enough to convince me that there can be a romance here? Um, but with episode two and seeing that like that uh, that relationship, I guess, or to sort of fall into place um, where Kose is on one end and Kawari's on another end, um, it, it makes you feel like there's a deeper meaning to their relationship, even beyond the romance part of it. Like, Kaori has something that Kosei desperately needs, and he doesn't even realize it yet. Yeah, and that's something that's just great to see as this first part goes along, is I know that Kaori is very brash in trying to push Kosei to step out of his bounds and rekindle his love for the piano, uh, but it's a journey that's well worth it in the at the end of this first half, at least. Episode two also kind of establishes what every main character relationship is going to look like. So you have Watari, who doesn't actually seem to have a crush on Kaori, but Kaori likes him. Um, and then I think Watari even tells Kosei, like, you should go for it, go for her or whatever, because Watari isn't genuinely interested in her. He just thinks that she's really cute. Um, so then Kaori again likes Watari, but um, Kosei likes Kaori. And then Tsubaki likes Kosei. And I'm like, this looks like a hot mess waiting to happen. I think the last, or, yeah, the other thing that's established in this episode, besides the, the weird relationship dynamics, is the imagery in this show that's related to music uh, and kind of the changes in Kosei's outlook are all kind of related to nature and especially like floral visuals. So you have the sakuras that are kind of blossoming or like the petals flowing in the wind. I think those kind of represent something new that is blossoming in Kosei's own life as Kaori becomes a part of it, which is interesting because that's evocative of like the, the coming of spring, right? And I would say right now Kosei is kind of in the winter of his life, like where Things are still, I guess, like dead and there's not much life or growth going on. But this this transition into a more colorful season from the dead of winter, I think, speaks volumes to the change that Kosei is about to experience in his own life. 
Yeah, I didn't catch that before. When I was watching through this, I'm like, why does everyone keep saying it feels like spring is here? I'm like, it is spring. <laughs> but yeah, I get what they mean. Like it is a an opportunity for almost like rebirth, kind of the way spring rebirths mm-hmm. all of like the plants and whatnot. Um, it's like a breath of fresh air that you get in the springtime. So yeah, I think that that imagery, that motif is really powerful. In episode three, Inside Spring, Kaori learns more about Not Piano Man's piano talent when he plays a rousing rendition of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star at a local cafe. But the twinkle starts to tinkle when his piano traumatic stress disorder kicks in. Feeling that he just needs a little encouragement, Kaori decides to enlist Not Piano Man as her piano accompaniment in the second round of the violin competition because there's no better way to gently ease someone back into a traumatic hobby than by simply throwing them into the fortissimo fire. I think it's this episode where it introduces the idea that Kose can no longer hear the sound of his piano playing, and I know it kind of uses floral analogies, as we discussed in the last episode, to describe this feeling of them fading away i think i wrote here as as if the flower petals are pulled upward and caught in the spring wind which i imagine is probably a very devastating for a musician i mean i don't think he like literally has lost his hearing but it's just that he feels no connection with his music anymore or it's like it's so traumatic for him to hear himself play the piano, um, having left on a not-so-good terms with his mother after her passing. You say that, but I literally thought they were saying he can't hear his own notes anymore. (laughs) I was like, I don't understand until the last episode of this batch, episode, no, maybe it's episode 10, 10 or 11, where we learn that not being able to hear his own notes, he feels his punishment for the way he ended his relationship with his mom. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I feel like it's more like a subconscious, maybe not a subconscious thing, but like a psychological thing where he just tunes out the sound of his own playing. And then we see in subsequent episodes that he hits the keys harder and harder just to try and hear something. Yeah, and I know later episode kind of visualizes this in a really unique way. Uh, But in this one, it's again sort of that floral analogy. Uh, A couple other things that I pulled from this episode is I think Tsubaki is starting to feel a little bit more distant from Kosei, uh, although she knows that he's been trying his best or like she knows his struggles with his relationship with playing the piano. uh, And she always hopes for the best for him that he'll just figure it out on his own terms if he wants to continue playing the piano or not, and that she hates seeing him stuck in this void. But I think the difference between Tsubaki and Kaori is that all Tsubaki does is just say that she'll be there for Kosei, while Kaori is actually able to go one step further in her fierce encouragement for him to pick up the piano again. And you can't fault Tsubaki for that because she didn't have, I assume, an upbringing like what Kosei experienced, and she may not have gone through the same things that he's experienced. And also not being a musician, I think she can't quite relate 
to what he's feeling when he plays the piano after his mom's passing. Mm-hmm. Like she has a diehard love for softball, right? She's a softball player. Yeah. So I guess she could relate it in some way like that, but her softball experience has been great. She hasn't had any issues. She's been on top. I think um, they say like she's like one of the best players on the team. So her having not hit rock bottom yet the way Kose has, I get why she quite can't quite figure out a way to help him through that. Yeah, that makes sense. And so it's not like a fault of her own that she doesn't know what to do. But I think it's, in this case, it's kind of like, it is what it is. Even though I feel like she's number two in this harem. So (laughs) the last thing I pulled from this episode is the imagery of when Kaori asks Kose to be her piano accompaniment. And they're on the rooftop. But I love how it's Kose who is shrouded in shadow on this rooftop while Kaori is glimmering in the sunlight until he acquiesces and steps into the sunlight. That I guess shift from the monotony, like the monotonous colors, to the vibrant colors, and that even happens with his clothes looking monotonous in the shadows, but having more vibrancy once he enters the sunlight. Um, all part of him realizing what it means, I guess, to be a musician after. I think, especially after what Kaori says to him about giving everything that they've got to reach the hearts of the masses um, in them playing this violin and piano duet. In episode four, The Journey, the musically dynamic duo are rushed over to the concert hall by Watari Yuduing and Not Piano Man's childhood friend Chubaki Tsubaki which forces the pessimistic piano prodigy to sight-read the goddamn monster of a piece while Kaori slays it on the strings. Unfortunately, his piano traumatic stress disorder kicks in at just the not-right time to throw their piece into musical mayhem, but Kaori quells his fears by having them hit the replay button for a much better second take, a take that literally floors the flourishing female fiddler. So yeah, Kose is freaking out at the concert hall trying to memorize and practice as much of the piece as possible all the while kind of like recalling when his mom told him he has to practice each piece to perfection so it's played exactly as written on the sheet music exactly as the composer intended but then in comes Kaori who says fuck it we're just gonna wing it and it'll be okay because music is freedom so basically um saying that a single song can come in many forms as we've talked about earlier it can change and shape based on the way that the the musician is playing it and the feelings they're trying to evoke. It doesn't have to conform to exactly what is written. And she plays her violin by the same philosophy. Honestly, this episode gave me anxiety as a musician. <laughs> First off, with Kose having to sight read this music against a violinist who just loves to freestyle i think they called it the the synthetic versus the all natural in the way that they're tackling this piece very mismatched in all sorts of ways Uh, but i can't imagine being in that situation as a pianist having to play something that you've had no time to rehearse on and just doing it on the fly especially with this song, which I didn't catch 
Oh, what was the name of the song? Um, okay, thank you, Wikipedia. It's Sansons, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, Introduction and Rondo Capriccioso, a piece that starts calmly and then becomes vigorous in tempo and dynamic. So not a very easy song to play. And of course, Kose is just playing it live right now. I feel like you've been in that situation before. Maybe not that extreme where you're handed handed a piece of music and then like needing to play it almost same day. Um, but you've I feel like you've been in situations where someone needed a piano player really quickly and you had to kind of like quickly practice a piece and feel good enough to play it. Yeah, I'm actually recalling a memory right now uh, at one of my music school's recitals. There was a, a young female student who was supposed to sing uh, Colors of the Wind by Pocahontas, but her it was her piano teacher who had been playing for him, and he wasn't able to make the recital, and so she had no piano accompaniment. But thankfully, I had known the song, and so I didn't have sheet music with me. I just had to kind of do this off the top of my head, but I played for her, and... Thankfully, like just listening to the way that she was singing the the words, I was able to figure out like the exact structure of the song. Uh, so that's like one situation. I think that's that was similar. Um, I I didn't think it was a complex song, but just having to almost improvise on the spot while playing. Uh, yeah, it, basically things like this are not an easy feat, and I think that's why <laughs> this. This episode almost triggered me, like learning what Kosei had to do with accompanying uh, Kaori. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, with this whole experience, um, you've got Kosei freaking out the whole time, but then you have Kaori who thinks to herself at one point in the episode that she just wants to be remembered for her music. So it seems as if like these competitions and winning don't really matter to her. She just wants a stage to play on and an audience to play to who will remember her her music and, and her for her music. So when Kosei shuts down during the performance, when he was like recalling his mom and going through that trauma, um, Kaori has them restart because again, it's not about the competition for her. She she probably couldn't care less about winning a trophy or winning first place or whatever. It's about playing the music um, and creating something together. I think that's highlighted in, she says this chant right before her performance, which is Elohim Esaim. Elohim Esaim, I implore you. Apparently, I was just reading this on the internet that this is a common chant that's been used in other anime, Um, but I don't think it has any sort of religious basis. Elohim is Hebrew for God, but Esaim is French for swarm. But in essence, Kaori is basically calling upon like all the angels and the demons and all like the supernatural it's like all the gods yeah (laughs) god swarm yeah every god every kamisama uh, that's been in religious existence to just aid her in this goal of playing to the masses and giving it her all Uh, so in that way or i guess alongside that like with kari's fervent ability to play i think this show just perfectly encapsulates with her duet with kose the amazement that it that's in listening to classical music kind of highlighting its expressiveness rather than its tediousness Uh, although in this episode kose falls into another uh, moment of having ptsd 
where I think this visual is nice where his the notes on the page start to disappear and his hearing fades into like a dark sea and that's what it means when he says he can't he can no longer hear the notes but yeah then, i think sorry just to chime in i think being in the seat where like i sometimes need a little hand holding with representation i think that the representation of not being able to hear the notes through him drowning in the water was fantastic like that mm-hmm. for me was a better visual representation than the earlier one with the flower i thought i felt like the the drowning in the in the water um really made sense because we've all been there like you put your head underwater you can't hear anything anymore you can hear like very muffled sounds right that was really good but then it's kaori who kind of writes his ship by calming him down telling him to look at her and to just restart the piece and that's where he finally gets into his element and i think the duet sort of becomes a duel of sorts where you know they're, they're trying they're competing with their different playing styles but it's a performance that still entrances the audience. And from that is another visual metaphor of Kosei reaching out into the sky that's filled with sakura blossoms in that he's finally found a way to reconnect with his music. And then Kaori faints. <laughs> and then she hits the floor. Which, of course, that's a dangling thread for now, but we'll find out exactly what Cowdy's deal is, I'm sure, in the next half. In episode 5, Cloudy Skies, Cowdy takes a quarter rest at a hospital, but um, as Not Piano Man reflects on his job well done at the violin competition, and Chewbaki Tsubaki reflects on how she'll always end up being the second girl in his harem. Once Cowdy is discharged, she once again encourages Not Piano Man to take a leap of faith by signing up for the next Piano Palooza, though that may be a bridge too far. So the gray skies that represents the feeling of like defeat when the person you have interest in doesn't doesn't seemingly have interest in you, right? Because mm-hmm. you've got Tsubaki who has feelings for Kosei. And then saw kind of a glimmer of romance or some sort of connection between him and Kaori during their performance. So now she feels down in the dumps. And then Kosei thinks there's romance between Kaori and Watari um, and wants to keep his distance for that reason because he thinks, um, like she, she, he thinks two things: one that Kaori hates him for ruining her performance, right. um, but then two that like there's no room for him in that relationship because Kaori has feelings for Watari. Uh, and then he, they meet on the bridge and he realizes that she doesn't mind. Um, that's not the case at all. And doesn't mind that the performance is ruined. That's not the case that, you know, she hates him or anything like that. And that's when the sun finally comes out in this episode. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Look at that. I caught that one. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what I was more focused on with this episode is it starts, I think, with Kosei asking the question is piano or is playing piano all that I have to offer but then Kaori counters that with her question do you think you'll be able to forget and so I love this way or the way that Kaori kind of wants Kosei to reframe his thinking in that he should rather be looking at his piano skills as a gift that he can offer to others rather than as a limitation and I think what's even more interesting is after 
this is sort of exchange between the two, Kaori utters the ominous line of, I won't forget even if I die. So that's... Well, I wonder what that could be <laughs> foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, it's clear foreshadowing as to to, to like her ending up in a not so great place, I'm sure, <laughs> in the second half. Uh, but then that sort of ties into, I think, one of the last things she says in this episode, create the most beautiful lie of all, which is I interpreted it as putting away Kosei's self-doubt and his nervousness to put on a performance that captures the audience because that's a musician's duty. You know, with, with Kaori saying or her inner monologue saying like, even if I die or whatever, I sometimes feel like that kind of blatant foreshadowing can be spoilers for what's to come. But with Your Lie in April, I feel like it's so honest about the direction that it's heading with her character that we all kind of know where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. And they're just saying, you already know where this is going to go. We're just going to confirm that subtly through this line. So it's more about the journey of how she handles her remaining days. Mm-hmm. If it's the case, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she actually ends up living. I don't know. But if that foreshadowing is as obvious as they probably made it there, um, it's more about like, where, like, what does she do with this time? Right. In episode six, On the Way Home, Kaori ends up submitting Not Piano Man's application to Piano Palooza on his unbeknownst behalf, thereby leaving him no choice but to chop chop with Chopin Chopin's wrong note etude, but feeling fairly fine with the flourishing female fiddler at his flank. Chubaki Tsubaki lets her harem ranking negatively affect her sports performance until Not Piano Man gives her a piggyback participation trophy ensuring her that he's still the same old self-doubting anime protagonist, even with a new fortissimo flame. So yeah, Tsubaki episode, she's struggling with Kaori becoming close to Kosei. Um, It seems like in both a romantic way and maybe feeling like he doesn't need her support anymore because we get that flashback in the beginning where she carries him on her back when he hurt himself. And then as you mentioned, like the roles are reversed at the end of the episode which is when she realizes that she is still important to him and that he values their relationship even if things change over time, even if the roles kind of have reversed. So that change is signaled um, by, again, the fact that he's carrying her um, and she's the one, even though her, her ankle's injured in both situations, he's grown enough to be able to give back to her what she gave to him when they were kids. Mm. Yeah, couple that with this analogy involving Tsubaki between losing her softball game and losing Kosei as she feels like she's playing second fiddle to Kaori. Uh, But yeah, I think that final scene where he carries her home is just a reminder that he's, he still values her friendship and that he's still, or she's still very much a part of his life. Side note, I've noticed in a few romance anime that it's always the sporty girl who, it's not always who plays softball, but usually the sporty girl who ends up being the the loser, I guess, in the harem. So like mm-hmm. the other girl, whatever, wins the guy's affection, but the sporty girl usually doesn't end up being the one that wins. Yeah. And it's not every harem anime um, or every anime with a love triangle, but I've noticed it a few times. I, I would always I would feel like it's the other way around. Like you'd rather want the sporty one than the one that's interested in a, a quote unquote dry hobby. 
And I've also sorry, I've also noticed that the one who doesn't win usually has short hair. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it's just like a subconscious trope of the anime community. Yeah, of like, <laughs> or not anime community, but industry. <laughs> rent a girlfriend just came to mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh one scene that I noted in this episode, which I guess is almost like foreshadowing, is as Kose is practicing his piece or Kaori forces him in his process to visualize an image for the piece. And I think this is pretty blatant, like what image Kose is going to visualize, especially when it comes to the competition later, is one of Kaori just sleeping with his coat over her on the floor of the classroom or of the practice room, just looking like a, a glimmering angel. And it's a vision of tranquility that is in stark contrast to one of anxiety whenever Kose thinks back to his mother. And so I think it's Kose's goal to just try to stick with visualizing this calm image in his head as he's playing through his music. And then there's the line, uh, I think when Kaori and Tsubaki are talking about Kose's, how he exposes his pain and his suffering through the piano, Kaori says, that's how we play music that's alive. Which I, that line just speaks to me talking about my own experience with playing piano is that I feel like in order to really get the true feeling out or like to get the true experience out of music, you need to just experience life itself. Um, and that's one thing that Kosei, of course, learns in his own rekindling of his musical journey. Uh, but I think that this kind of subtly hints to something with Kaori as well. In episode seven, The Shadow Whispers, it's the day of Piano Palooza, and already Not Piano Man can't help but freak the fuck out, topped only by the presence of two other skilled pianists that just want to have a dick slinging match with the pessimistic piano prodigy. While Piano Man works on finding comfort in Kaori's arias of advice, Beat Takeshi goes first in the rival piano pairing with a torrent etude that literally blows the audience away. Kosei has that reoccurring dream about a cat asking who he is. And this question, I think, points to how he always felt in his mom's shadow. Like he, again, couldn't blossom in music. He couldn't express who he is or who he wanted to be or how he was feeling because his mother was so overbearing. But I also think that the cat imagery points to possibly like the guilt he might carry with the with the fact that the cat got abandoned after scratching his hand and he didn't do anything to stop his mom even though it, like it really wasn't his fault like his mother was overbearing and overprotective plus he prioritized her health and wanted to play the piano well thinking that it would make her feel better so defying her was never a thought when he was younger um but i think that cat represents not only the guilt when it comes to the cat being kicked out of the house but just the guilt that he has for all the things that he didn't do or maybe didn't say or the opportunities he didn't take when it came to dealing with his mom i think that's also coupled with how it seems close is struggling with his own identity and his own sense of self-being while he's lost in this music for the competition probably because of like the outside influence that his mother exerted on him uh, which just kind of increased his own self-doubt. And that makes him fall into 
the same hole of trying to achieve this almost unearnable perfection in his mother's eyes rather than just being himself. Even though Kaori, like he thinks back to what she says about him, just you're just you no matter what, and him trying to find comfort in that. But then you also have th- these childhood, I, I don't even know if they're really childhood rivals of Kosei's because he never really acknowledges them, uh, but more that they view him as a rival. That's with Emi and Takeshi, who is voiced by Yuki Kaji, of all people. Um, it's <laughs> Takeshi felt like too much of an anime antagonist. But, yeah, like the Gary Oak of yeah. this anime. I do have some comments on that, but I'll save them for episode eight when we get to know them a little bit more. Um, but we also get some insight into Watari and like his own struggles, which is nice because up until this point, Watari just kind of felt like he was there. Like he wasn't offering anything to the story. He was just a childhood friend of Subaki's and Kosei's and happened to be the guy that Kaori liked. But now we're seeing like he's also frustrated when his team loses and he misses out on his chance to become a star, to shine. Similarly to how Subaki was crying in the you know previous episode when her team lost because she effed up. And now Watari is saying that there is still a chance for Kosei to shine, for him to be a star so that one of their group can, can you know, make it on top. Yeah, the musician, not the, the athlete. <laughs> <laughs> in episode eight, Let It Ring, Beat Takeshi finishes his quarrel with the keys, having fulfilled his revenge against Not Piano Man, who subsequently undoes the fulfillment by congratulating the messy-haired maestro on a job well done. Doemi Faso then takes the stage as the second of the rival piano pairing with a chilling rendition of Chopin's Winter's Wind Etude, meant to be a revenge piece against Not Piano Man for vanishing when the piano world needed him most. I know this episode is dedicated to these two new characters, Takeshi and Emi, um, but I find it a little weird that they are so obsessed with a kid who doesn't even know they exist. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> like Takeshi sees him as a rival, which I guess is normal. That's fine. Um, but then Takeshi rejects the opportunity to play in Germany just for a chance to beat Kosei in a competition that Takeshi's already won before. Yeah, this is where like Takeshi just felt too much like a cliched anime character even though this is a show full of like slice of life and drama cliches this one's all was a little too blatant yeah and also that hair holy shit yeah <laughs> the super sane looking ass hair and then emmy apparently spiraled like when kosei left piano playing um and like kind of regressed in her own piano playing but is now competing in order to reject him because maybe she had a crush on him or has a crush on him because his piano playing inspired her to start playing piano. Like, it just seems like so much. It seems like really over the top. And I have to keep reminding myself that they're all in middle school. <laughs> like, it just seems so, so grand for something that is middle school. Yeah. I don't know if there was much purpose to introduce these two characters I guess to almost show them as fo- like foils in some way to Kosei and what happens with Kosei being absent from the music world. Uh, but yeah, I-, I think the messaging with these characters 
was a little bit muddled with what we're trying to see established with his Kosei circle of friends and with Kaori already in the mix. And again, it's like Takeshi and Emi are obsessive over him. And then all the while, Kosei's like, who are you guys again? And he, by the end of the episode, he has like respect for them and is interested in their piano playing and gains something from each of them. But again, it's like, I don't know, there's no real history for them to kind of have these feelings for him. Yeah, unless they're supposed to represent like the specific kind of piano playing that Kosei should not aspire to emulate, but like Kosei should try to follow in his journey. Like with this episode, it focuses a little bit more on Takeshi's piece with um, what the hell? The, the torrent etude in the beginning, um, just the fortitude and the richness of his piano playing. And then with Emmy chiming in with her winter's wind etude, that too has this energy to it uh, because Emmy's able to put in the work for no one but herself with practicing this piece. Um, whereas Kosei, he kind of struggled because his mom was just trying to live vicariously through him in his piano playing. But here, Emmy is in her own element. So I think that's also what they were trying to represent with these two characters. But part of me just feels like they could have condensed it into one character or maybe just introduced these these characteristics in a different way. I understand there's a reason that Kosei is like, who are you again? Like, they're not just trying to throw away these characters. They're trying to show us that Kosei was so obsessed with his own piano playing. He was so siloed into that. He couldn't enjoy anything in the outside world because you get those moments where, like, Kosei's walking around and people are talking about him behind his back, like, oh, there mm -hmm. goes the machine or, you know, that's that kid is fucking weird or whatever. Um, but it just, it almost cheapens what's going on with Takeshi and Emi when we know that he has no idea who these people are, even though yeah. the reason for that is because he wasn't allowed to have a life outside of piano playing with his mom. It's like that moment with Thanos in Avengers Endgame. Oh, where he's <laughs> like, like, I don't even know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one other thing that I wanted to note with the, I guess, the animation, and I guess, yeah, the, the animation direction is during Takeshi's performance, they have these shots of, I think, like, I'm thinking of the parts of the piano, like the hammer or the action like all of the things that happen when you hit the the keys of a piano. The inner um, workings of a yeah, piano. Yeah, the inner work. Yeah, thank you. The inner workings of a piano once you strike a key. I love how they pay close attention to detail with these mechanics um, as he's playing this piece. And also when pressing down on the damper pedal, which to put in layman's terms, it's the pedal on the piano that makes every key sound like a chime. Uh, there's a moment where you need to lift it so that the noise, or not the, not the noise, but the sound doesn't become too muddled and all the notes start sounding like noise. Uh, but there's a subtle piece of attention to detail here where I don't know the exact term for it, but there's a, a piece of fabric or cloth that lays down on the strings when the damper pedal is reset. And then when the pedal is 
pressed again, it lifts uh, to recreate the chime sound. And so I just want to give props to the animators and the animation director for nailing the mechanisms of the piano down um, in this respect to really show an appreciation for the instrument itself. In episode nine, Resonance, Do Emi Faso absolutely shreds her piece along with any ability to formulate sentences before Not Piano Man gets up on stage to face the music, while we subtly learn that Kaori might be dealing with some health issues on quite a larger, or dare I say, major scale. Not Piano Man's wrong note etude fares well at the start, until he starts to play even more wronger notes when his piano traumatic stress disorder kicks in once again, having him recall memories of his shitty anime mother and ending their earthly relationship on quite a sour musical note. Which makes me wonder if Kaori has just the right medicine in her purse to remedy this rancid rhapsody. So we finally get an intimate look at Kosei's past, like the full scope, the full understanding of what happened and his relationship with his abusive mom. So he didn't crumble at his last two or as at his last performance two years ago simply because she died and he was like upset about that, but because she abused him and pushed him to the point where the last thing he ever said to her was that he wished that she would die. So he's traumatized by her abuse and her forcing him to play like a machine exactly as the score is written. But then on the flip side, and this is the reason uh, Kosei is so compelled by Kaori and so drawn to her, she's here saying to Tsubaki, I think, asked like, you know, how did you pick which, which song? And she's like, we just, you know, rolled a pencil and whatever it was, he played it. She said it didn't matter which piece he played as long as he competed so that things could start moving forward again. She sees that he's trapped by his past and cannot move on, which is kind of similar to what Tsubaki's been noticing. And to your point earlier, Tsubaki hasn't been able to find a way to push him out of that funk to get him to, like, to get time to start moving in his world again. Um, so Kaori is the catalyst for that because she is so uh, not disconnected, but not tied down by anything. And I think part of it too is if Kaori has this terminal illness and, and you know, has a limited time on this earth or whatever is going to be with her story, she may realize it's not worth it to be stuck in time like this because you never know when your days might end. Yeah, there's a, that's an interesting contrast. Again, assuming if Kaori has this, this terminal illness inside of her, comparing that with Kosei's mother, who also was was dying of a terminal illness, how they both respond to Kosei's piano playing. And I think his mother's sort of robotic advice was a musician should be a mirror that reflects the score, uh, which in that way, I feel like Kosei's mother was robbing him of having a life of emotions by making him so fixated on copying this piano piece or whatever piano piece note for note until she placed her own oppressive emotions on him and started to manipulate him to the point where again he felt void of any emotion and lashed out at her in one of her final days. Uh, compare that to Kaori who says, Music is freedom, 
which is the complete opposite of a musician being a mirror reflecting the score because in Cowdy's eyes, music again should be interpreted the way that you feel it rather than being a, a carbon copy of what you think the composer wanted it to be or how the composer wanted it to be played. Uh, but obviously in this episode, Kose is just struggling more with his PTSD with playing the piano and living in his mother's shadow. But to your earlier point with the previous episode about what to, uh, Takeshi and Emi have to offer Kose, before he steps out onto the stage, he says, I, like, I never realized how colorful and full of expression music could be. Mm -hmm. um, again, because of his mom. Like, he never got to play how he wanted. So in that moment, he's starting to realize, like, I think Kaori was the um, spark and she kind of like get things like the flame kindling and then like Takeshi and Emi helped to fuel that flame for him to realize like oh wait there is more to music than what's written on that piece of paper but how appropriate that he chose the wrong note etude to play because I think it's it's deliberately meant to sound like the pianist is playing wrong notes i know i asked you when we were watching it i'm like why does it sound like that yeah. <laughs> i was like why why is he playing so bad yeah, yeah, it's, it's the way that chopin composed the song but it i think it ties in thematically with what kosi is experiencing here with him having this void of not being able to hear his own music uh, i don't think i brought this up earlier but like with him saying that he's unable to hear sound I think that actually comes into play in the real world because there are rumors that circle around that he actually can't hear anything. Uh, so I thought that was an interesting tie-in uh, with his metaphorically not being able to hear the piano sound. Wasn't Beethoven deaf? Yes. Well, he did just fine. So yeah, <laughs> no excuses. <laughs> yeah, he composed the the ninth symphony, which ended up being one of his greatest works. So I think there's uh, there's a glimmer of hope there for Kose if he thinks of it that way. In episode ten, the scenery I shared with you, not piano man, continues to plague the patrons of Piano Palooza with his putrid piece until he remembers to hit the replay button, as Kaori had done during their duet and focuses his energy on playing the piece in a way that would fill the flourishing female fiddler with felicitous feelings of frivolity. Although the audience has a delayed reaction at his sudden about-face, they bear witness to music history as the formerly pessimistic piano prodigy finally earns back his title as Piano Man. Kose choosing to stop his performance early, I think, saved him. Like, once he knew he was disqualified anyway, he was free to play however the fuck he wanted when he restarted. So he chose to express his feelings for Kaori in that moment, kind of like a thank you to her for helping free him from, like, the chains of his past. So even though it might seem like the wrong decision to stop his performance early and everyone was like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Even I think even Kaori was like, don't do it. Um, I think that's what saved him in the end. Like I think that's what opened his eyes um, to what music can be if he has more freedom. Yeah, I guess this is where we have the contrast with Emi and Takeshi uh, with the way that they play versus the way that Kosei plays. I think Emi and Takeshi, they play in a way that tries to aspire to Kosei's level. There's that sense of competitiveness with their playing. But Kosei has learned to play in a way 
that truly evokes emotion and human feeling. And I think that's where he finally comes to a realization here is that he needs to play the piano and play this piece with a genuine purpose, which is to be the best musician for his own sake. And of course, he uses that visual of Kaori sleeping in the practice room, that vision of tranquility that allows him to freely express his emotions in this piece. In the after credit scenes, that one teacher says the puppet finally cut his own strings. Um, so I think like everyone has noticed that Kose has found a way to kind of move on from the trauma of his mom. But it's interesting that she says the puppet finally cut its own strings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's important to know that it wasn't Kaori who did this for him. She just set up the stage for him to be able to do these things. She set up the the possibility for him to finally cut ties with his past and move forward, let time start moving again. Last thing with this episode, I think the piano playing absolutely shines in this episode for two reasons. One, uh, in the climax, once the violin accompaniment kicks in, when Kose comes to the realization of him playing his piece with a purpose, the music just starts to stir up even more feelings of closure and of freedom with, I think it it makes sense because it's almost like with the violin coming in with the piano, it's like Kose and Kaori almost having another duet again, despite this being a solo piano piece. The second thing is there must be so much skill to trying to make a piano piece sound messy or rushed. Like, I'm trying to picture whoever was hired to play the piano pieces in the show, they deliberately had to make it sound wrong. Oh, like, can you play this piece as bad as possible? Yeah. (laughs) Can you bang on your keys as loud as possible? (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure there's there's a level of skill that comes with that. Um, So props to the ghost player i guess for kose in this case (laughs) and in the final episode for part one episode 11 light of life despite getting disqualified from piano palooza the perplexing piano man rides the high of his rhythmic renewal as he reconnects with his shitty anime mother's much friendlier colleague and takes up lessons again under her tutelage kaori then links up with him again for his next musical mission which is to provide accompaniment for her once again at an upcoming gala concert. Piano Man happily acquiesces, having confessed that Kaori's encouragement has been the music to his once-deafened ears. But with a performance piece titled Love's Sorrow, that is so not a good sign. Get it? Sonata? Wow. (laughs) I guess musical puns just aren't my forte. Wow. So this friend of the mom's, the only thing I could think the whole time is like, if she knew that the mom was abusing Kose, why didn't she say anything? <laughs> why didn't she do mm-hmm. anything? <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, because she had a flashback where she witnessed, or it, it's implied that she witnessed the abuse, but I'm sure it's not, it's not easy to come out and, and 
say that. Right. But it is the right thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, either way, I mean, she's she seems like an interesting character. I'm sure we'll find out more about her. As of right now, I don't really know what to think of her. But yeah, I mean, it was cool to see Kosei, I guess, let loose and... He played the piano all night because he could finally play it again and mm-hmm. be able to hear his own notes and be able to express himself. So he just poured everything in that he couldn't do as a child into one night and just played himself to exhaustion. Yeah, because I think he realizes at this point, um, even though he's witnessing all of these contestants, like their array of feelings about making it or not making it to the next round, and then he has Takeshi who kind of chastises him for his erratic piano playing during the competition. Kosei realizes it's it's not about winning anymore. It's about finding a reason to play your songs. And it's about finding a way to be human again uh, in playing music. Uh, so I think that's sort of his Nirvana moment uh, at the conclusion of this episode 11. Although... I almost stopped the episode because it started with this sequence of this superhero, and I thought we were watching a different anime by accident. <laughs> but it turns out it's just an analogy of how Takeshi sees Kosei again as this this daunting, larger than life, yeah, larger thing. than life hero. Where again, I think it's all about bringing music down to a more human level rather than something that's supposed to be... I mean, music is fantastic, but it should be something that is enjoyed by a regular human soul. And again, calling some kid who doesn't even know you exist your superhero, like, it just seems like a lot. Like, it, it just seems like a lot. But we'll see how Takeshi and Emmy play into the, the second half of the show. And then we have this episode, the later half of it, kind of focusing on Kaori, Um with her invitation to play at the gala concert um, since they were, I think, the audience favorites or whatever during the violin competition. Um, but there are a lot of instances where you can see that Kaori seems out of it in certain scenes as if she knows that her time is numbered. It isn't outright said yet. Again, we're just assuming these things at this moment. We're just but... reading into the foreshadowing. That's all right. we're doing. <laughs> but then you have the scene where she and Kosei are in the field of fireflies and she talks about how you have this weak creature that shines a light with all of its might, calling it the light of life. And so I feel like she's comparing herself to this firefly in that is Kaori trying to give it her all through her musical talent before before her own light of light expires. So... Oh boy, we'll find out in the next half. But that brings us to our final thoughts for Your Lion April Part 1. So, did this first half of the series hit all the right notes for you? Yeah, I love it. I think it's it's really good. I haven't seen a ton of music anime, but so far, Your Lion April offers more than just a hardcore focus on music. Still has a hardcore focus on music, but it's not tunnel vision of music. Like somebody like me who appreciates music and and can notice music but doesn't have this like keen musical talent like Carl does can still really enjoy the story. I can still pick apart 
the themes and um, the foreshadowing and everything else that's being offered through this anime. And I'm glad that we decided to put the show on hold in the beginning, not totally drop it, and that we've revisited it. Because again, episodes one and two, the first time we watched a couple of years ago, didn't give me a ton of hope for how the show would go. Didn't make me feel confident that I'd enjoy it. But once we got past episodes one and two, I'm like, yeah, this show has a lot more going on with it. And the storytelling is just phenomenal in in my opinion. So I'm really enjoying it so far and I'm itching to watch the second part. What about you? I am so disappointed. Uh-oh. So disappointed in myself that I failed to give the show a chance the first time we watched it because this series so far has resonated with me as a pianist and as a musician more than I had expected. But to look at it from the lens of anime, Your Lion April, almost in a similar vein to A Silent Voice, presents an unexpected love story. Not necessarily one between two people, as much as the show likes to drop hints about shipping Kosei and Kaori, but one about reconnecting with one's passion, which for Kosei is about breathing life into your music and music into your life. And with this story, I appreciate its realistic take in that Kosei cannot simply get over this trauma in returning to the piano just like that, even with Kaori doing her best to encourage him along the way, although she is the most suitable candidate to do so with her bright outlook. Because it's not about the destination, it's the journey, or to tie in with a musical composer, I think Kaori quotes him directly, go on a journey, um, which is what Mozart's imperative was. Uh, so it's not about the destination, it's the journey, and it's one that may be rife with typical teenage angst and adolescent drama that we see, but it's one that still produces a resonating message about finding oneself that complements the liberating and healing power of music. And of course, it would be remiss for me not to mention the compelling soundtrack of this series so far in choosing a variety of classical pieces that perfectly encapsulate the struggles, the feelings, and the emotions of these characters which shows how much classical music can be a fruitful representation of the human soul rather than a complex collection of notes on a page. And it's certainly encouraged me to go on Spotify and look up these songs that these characters have played and compile them into a classical music playlist that I can really appreciate. Uh, so hopefully that's been the case for many people that have watched Your Lion April. Though I have a feeling of where the story will be heading, with Cowdy's mysterious health issue left unanswered, I am nonetheless intrigued to see where Kosei's journey continues to go from here, and have it set to the tune of an instrument that I hold very near and dear to my own heart. And with that, we'll be back with part two. And uh, I'm still uh, bracing for impact. I'm still waiting for, you know, that moment where I'm going to get choked up. Will it make me cry <laughs> the way Clannad did? I don't know. We'll see. But every fucking person hints that there is some major drama that goes down in this show. So I'm just getting ready for it. Yeah, I wonder if it will hit different with us expecting this what this thing to happen. Uh compared to it just kind of falling into our lap out of the blue. Well, right? if it does still hit hard, then you know that it was that damn good. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We appreciate you guys as always. And hopefully you enjoyed our part one review of Your Lie in April. Subscribe to Strictly Anime on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash The Strictly Series. And to Mrs. Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. In episode eight, let it ring. Beat Takeshi. <laughs> wow. <laughs>